Before we start, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. I will be going live on Locker Room tonight, that's Thursday, at probably around 8 p.m., answering some Tigers questions, taking your calls and questions, comments, concerns, whatever you want to talk about. I will be doing that tonight. Download the Locker Room app on your iOS device today. Welcome into Locked On Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. It is Thursday, April 8th, 2021. Thank you for tuning in today and choosing Locked On Tigers. Tigers lost the rubber match yesterday against the Minnesota Twins by a final score of 3-2. to two. Uh, I mean, frustrating is... I'm beyond being frustrated, right? I mean, frustrating is what happens when a good team loses to, to a bad team. This was... This was a good team beating a not-so-good team. There were some things that were positive uh, from this game, and really, throughout the first six games so far, uh, I if we're doing a pass-fail system, I give them an overwhelming pass. I mean, they're 3-3. Three and three. They haven't played completely ugly, stupid baseball like what they played under Garden Hire, though we saw that creep back out yesterday. I'm going to talk about that with some of the base-running decisions that went down, but I am going to start in this first segment by actually complimenting somebody, and it's somebody that I've criticized a fair amount, especially since I've started doing this podcast, and that's Matt Boyd. Through the first five innings yesterday, Matt Boyd, to me, looked as good as I've ever seen him in a Detroit Tigers uniform. We know how lethal the fastball-slider combo can be when he's locating it, but he was bringing out change-ups and curveballs. The Minnesota Twins offense seemed completely on edge the entire game through the first five innings. I thought he was great. He ended up giving up seven hits and three earned runs, two of them. It was a brutal loss for Matt Boyd because typically, especially in today's day and age of baseball, like you can't ignore a guy going seven innings. Like, some of the best starters in the world get pulled after five. We had Jacob deGrom, the best pitcher in baseball, one of the greatest pitchers I've ever seen, getting pulled after six scoreless and 77 pitches. If you have the opportunity, go to YouTube, search up Don LaGreca, Jacob deGrom rant. He goes nuts and says something about analytics, even though that wasn't really an analytics decision necessarily. But it's a great rant, and that's a great show, The Michael K Show with Don LaGreca and Peter Rosenberg. Highly recommend it. One of the best sports radio shows in the country. Sorry about the tangent, but Matt Boyd went seven strong, seven really good innings. He was a he was a tough loser in this game because in that sixth inning, it seemed like he was confident. It seemed like he was about to pitch out of some trouble. And then Nelson Cruz reared his ugly head, hit a hard ground ball to short. This was a weird play. Hit a hard ground ball to short that bounced off of Willie Castro. Jonathan Scope, with the presence of mind to scoop it, fire it to first to try to uh, snag the the slow-moving Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz, amazing hitter, but he's not paid to hit infield singles. He's paid to 
paid to hit bombs, something he's done plenty of throughout his major league career. Initially, he was called out. That's why we have instant replay. It was reviewed. He was safe. Next batter was Jorge Polanco. He doubled to left center field. Two runs scored, putting the Twins in front for good. And you could tell Matt Boyd is about as even keel as any pitcher in baseball. I mean, the guy could be throwing a perfect game and the guy or and the guy could be giving up 10 earned runs over 3 innings and his his attitude, his body language would be about the same. That was about as frustrated as you're going to see him. He was disappointed. Not only disappointed by the result, but I think he was disappointed with the fact that I think he felt like his stuff was as good as it's been in a minute yesterday and he was he still took the loss but I just watching him pitch through these first two starts of the season and really throughout spring training as well even though sometimes very often spring training is a crapshoot but I think given the year he had last year it, he needed to show something in spring and did and so far through two starts in 2021 he looks really solid but I'm begging him and I know he's not listening but I'm begging the dude you got to do this for a long period of time. And I was looking this up, and this stat is amazing. I said it on my post game, but I'll say it again, because there's not a weirder pitcher uh, to me in baseball than Matt Boyd. There's not a weirder pitcher that Detroit's seen in a long time. I can't recall a pitcher who was as consistent and yet also inconsistent for long periods of time. Like Verlander was the man, right? Verlander, going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest pitchers in the history of this organization. But Verlander once or twice, hell, maybe even three times a year, would have that start where he would just get popped. Three innings, seven earned, five innings, eight earned, just a bad outing all around. Now, he would still usually be able to give him innings, but you know what I mean. He'd have one of those stinkers every so often. But he was Verlander. That would happen. He would bounce back. Kershaw does that. Strasburg, Scherzer, those guys do that. DeGrom every so often, even nowadays, will get popped. But that's like one start out of five. I've never seen a pitcher who will go like a 20-plus start stretch in which he's dazzling, in which he's one of the best pitchers in the American League, if not in all of baseball, and then go an even, an even longer stretch where he might as well be Ryan Carpenter. And the, the numbers I used yesterday are pretty staggering. July 20th, 2018 to May 28th of 2019, this is a 25-start stretch over a period of 10 months in which he was brilliant. A 3-3-6 ERA strikeouts were as good as they had been throughout his entire career. He was great. And then, all of a sudden, you get to June of 2019, all the way through September of 2020. That is a large sample size. That is a big sample size. 173 innings, sure, but a 6-0-3 ERA gave up a ton of home runs. The only thing that you could maybe build off of is the strikeouts. He still gets a lot of those with that slider. I don't understand how that happens because most of that, not all, but most of that was under the same pitching coach, the same regime, same manager. It's not like, okay, there was a pitching coach that he didn't gel with. He made a mechanical change that we didn't know about. It makes me wonder, and Matt Boyd, I've said this a million times, but I I do think that I want to bring this up because I'm as critical of certain players as anybody, but I try not to get personal. Matt Boyd is one of the best people in Major League Baseball. I, I talked about it yesterday, but I'll bring it up again. Dude is a wonderful, wonderful human being. And what I'm about to say is not at all meant to disparage him or anyone who struggles by any means. You guys know how seriously I take personal issues and mental health issues, but it makes you wonder if last season, because you could make the argument at the end of 2019 when he fell apart, that was the, the most standing seed pitch throughout his career. Maybe he just ran out of ran out of 
gas, but he came in fresh in 2020, had a great spring, had a great summer camp, and was one of the worst pitchers in the whole world. It makes you wonder if there was a, a personal thing or something between the ears that we didn't know about, or maybe there was an injury that he was dealing with because he was so not right last year, and it made me think, okay, well, if that's the pitcher that he is, then the decision not to trade him is just going to be an all-time terrible move, which I still argue that it is. I I, I like Matt Boyd, but I still think that was a, a hor- horrific decision by the organization not to, to dish him at the deadline in 2019 when it seemed like he had peaked and his value, what, his value was the highest it had ever been, but you don't go from being one of the highest, like the hottest commodities at the trade deadline one year to one of the five to ten worst pitchers in baseball the next year. Uh, One day, and it'll probably be somewhere down the road, maybe Matt Boyd will write a book one day or something, but we're going to find out what it was because his stuff is too good for him to have struggled as much as he did a year ago. Maybe the new pitching coach, the new regime is helping him. It's very possible, but I don't know. He's just a strange pitcher, and I like the guy a lot. I want him to succeed. As long as he's here, I want him to be good. The, the, the possibility of him being traded for prospects is still there at some point. I want him to be successful, but very strange. Pitched good yesterday, took a loss, shouldn't have. He pitched better than even the final line indicates, despite the fact that he still went eight or seven innings strong. I'm going to talk about the rest of the game and the performance by the offense here in segment number two. Be right back. Locker Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. It's free to download and use. You can talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Join join in on the conversation with me and have a chance to be featured on the Locked On Tigers podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week on Wednesday, probably around 7, though subject to change right now. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Locker Room app free in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Castellani2014 to be notified when my room goes live. We'll be going live on Locker Room every Wednesday. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We're covering everything you need to know about the Tigers, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, everybody, for segment number two. Thank you very much for tuning in today. I think probably when you were listening to that segment uh, on the Locker Room ad, it said that I, I go live on Wednesdays at 7. That was the plan, and I still may at some point going forward, but there was not a locker room last night. Uh, there will be tonight. 
Uh, don't let the, the higher-ups hear this, but I'm just too lazy to change the promo. Okay, I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. We're moving on. We're moving on. Moving right along. Tigers did end up losing yesterday. I want to talk about the offense here. Akil Badu, the legend, grew in RBI triple yesterday was only one for three, but like I said, an RBI triple and threw a guy out, had an outfield assist from left field. Look, at some point in Akil Badu's tenure here, and at some point this year, probably some point soon, Akil Badu is going to hit a wall. And it's the wall that all hitters at the major league level run into. It's the moment where you have enough film on a guy to figure him out and pitchers learn to pitch to him. That's going to be the moment where he's going to either go from flash in the pan or legitimate potential piece of the future of this organization. We're going to find out, and that will take time. But right now, as I've stated before, it is very clear that all the intangibles are there, even, I mean, way more so than they were with Victor Reyes several years ago. I remember when the Tigers drafted Reyes in the Rule 5 draft in 20, I think it might have been the 2017 Rule 5, but he started the 2018 season. The Tigers were so high on him. Oh my gosh, we got this diamond in the rough. We're really excited. Things are moving. And Victor Reyes' ceiling was never high. Akil Badu's ceiling is much higher than Victor Reyes's ever was. Like, by a substantial amount, the intangibles are there, the tools are there, the, the mental game is there, but it will take time. Thankfully, he's younger than Reyes was. That's what always bothered me about Reyes, is people are like, oh, once he grows into his body, he's going to be a stud. He was like 25. Like, you're, you're pretty you're pretty well developed at that age, but not to compare the two, but like I said, the intangibles are there. Uh, fun to watch him play through this first week of the season. Willie Castro was three for four yesterday, and he batted second, and typically he batted third uh, in the first several games of the year. And, and I even saw some people, because he really struggled through the first four or five games. I saw some people saying, why is he batting third? And I think it speaks to Hinch, Hinch's analytically-minded line of thinking, but he also has that human touch. Because I, I think back to when Alex Bregman got called up by the Astros in, I believe it was 2016, and Hinch was the manager, and he started like 0 for 22, and Hinch still put him like second in the lineup, and people were angry about it, and he said, no, I know that this guy is one of the best hitters in the lineup. Analytically, it probably would not have made sense to bat a guy who was struggling that much in the two spot. He did the same thing with Willie Castro yesterday, went three for four, and was hitting the ball hard, all three of his hits, with an exit velo well over 100 miles per hour. Wilson Ramos hit his second home run with the Tigers through six games, only a 250 average, but that doesn't matter. An OPS over 1,000, very positive sign. Look, I I wanted Riamuto, everybody wanted Riamuto, or every smart person. I wanted a solid, serviceable catcher for the near future. But here's the, here's the real truth. Most catchers are good at one thing. They're either good at offense or they're good at defense. Now, of course, you have those exceptions, Buster Posey, JT Riamuto, Pudge in his prime, those guys who are good at both. But primarily, you kind of have one or the other. That's why you have a great defensive catcher, usually as your backup, and a solid, serviceable offensive catcher uh, as your starter. Again, that's not always the case. Uh, as much as I think that Wilson Ramos, as a defensive catcher, at least in terms of throwing runners out, is fine, he's a terrible pitch framer. Dude can hit, and I'm sorry, but you could have had the great, you could have had Johnny Bench behind home plate for the Tigers each of the last four years. They're still not winning more than 65 games. Like, that's how bad they were. So this team needed a bat with power. They got that as well in Wilson Ramos being their catcher. Uh, I wish Griner was better defensively because then you would have a serviceable defensive backup. But I will say, I, I do think the young guys right now at least 
are more comfortable with Griner catching them. I don't know if it's just experience or just that that natural comfortability, but there is something to be said about that. And I, I'm as much of a, a I'm not going to say a hater because I, I'm I'm a fan of objective truth. And Grayson Griner isn't really a major league ball player, but uh, I I do have to give him credit there. I think the young guys are are, are comfortable with him. There was, of course, the controversial moment there in the sixth inning. Tigers had two runners that were thrown out at the plate. The first one was a double off the bat of Miguel Cabrera. Willie Castro tried to come around to score. He was thrown out at home. Chip Hale, the the new third base coach for the Tigers, sent him. I know a lot of people were frustrated by that. You never want the first out of the inning to be at at home plate, obviously. You don't want it to be at third base, but you definitely don't want it to be at home either. That one, I can't get on to anyone for. Castro moves pretty well. It was a well-hit ball. Jake Cave out in left field, as as AJ pointed out in the post-game press conference, was on the ground. Well, you know, it was on the grass when Castro rounded second. I bet if you run that play over 10 times out of 10, Chip Hale probably sends Willie Castro. There's just that unknown variable, which is the fact that Andrelton Simmons made a perfect throw because Andrelton Simmons, I mean, that's what he does. It is amazing that more people should talk about this. And Foolish Baseball, who was a friend of the program, who was on this show, uh, we didn't talk about this specifically, but he made a great video about this. There is a possibility that when it's all said and done, Andrelton Simmons may be the greatest defensive shortstop who's ever lived. If he's not first, he's probably going to be second behind Ozzie Smith. When you look at the advanced numbers, this is a guy who has quietly had arguably a Hall of Fame tenure throughout his career. I'm serious. Look at look at baseball reference. Look at fan graphs. Analytically, this guy is a darling because he is one of the greatest defensive shortstops that has ever played. He's the best I've ever seen. And that throw that he made on a line to snag Willie Castro at the plate was absolute money. So I'm not really getting on anyone for for sending him there. It was just poor luck. Best shortstop, best defensive shortstop in the league made a perfect throw. I'm not angry at anybody. But then the Tigers loaded the bases and Jonathan Scope had a weak fly ball to right field. Garlic and Wright made the catch, threw it home where they got Miguel Cabrera by like three feet. Hinge tried to defend Miggy and did defend Miggy in the postgame presser being like, yeah, Miggy had a read on it. He tried to beat the throw. Again, and this is where maybe we're still in the honeymoon period. And if look, if Hinge makes a decision I don't like, then I'm going to say it. Like I'm not, he's not infallible. He's not Jesus. But I, I understand his line of thinking. Again, if you, if he doesn't score here, you try to send Miggy there. Who in as Hinch said, a lot can happen in that 200 feet between when the guy catches the ball and when the guy delivers the throw to home plate. You're not no guarantee it's going to be a perfect throw. This is not an explosive offense. You got to run the base as well, and you got to try to try to manufacture as many runs as possible. I understand all of that. The one part where I get caught up in it, the one part where I just I can't go with that line of thinking completely, is that. It's Miguel Cabrera running. And Miggy, throughout his career, and he has done this way too many times. Love Miguel Cabrera to death, but he has done this way too many times. Has trusted himself probably when he shouldn't have. Now, when he's at the dish, fine. One of the greatest hitters of all time. But he has been the king of getting thrown out at home plate, getting thrown out at second many times throughout his career. He's lost this team playoff games because of it. Again, I love the guy, but that's true. There's two playoff games, Game 5 against Boston in 2013 and Game 2 against Baltimore in 2014 where he ran through stop signs and got and got thrown out at the plate, and both of those ended up being one-run losses. Obviously, circumstances far different now in 2021, but yeah, I, I, 
I, I think they should have told him to hold up there. Um, maybe he wouldn't have anyway, and that makes things very frustrating that your highest paid player doesn't listen to any of the coaches. But yeah, it, it's annoying. It's frustrating that two runs were taken off the board. Not necessarily because of bad base running decisions, though I, I think Miggy did not have a read on that ball when he thought he did. The Willie Castro one was just a perfect throw and a perfect relay. I can't get on him. But yeah, that was basically the game. The Tigers, I mean, they tried to rally in the ninth inning, but Alex Colome looked really solid. You know who else looked really solid? One more person I, w- I want to give a shout-out to. Jose Cisnero. He's, he's pitching some really good baseball so far this year. Two innings yesterday, no hits, no walks, three strikeouts. Struck out the side in the eighth inning. I like, and I don't know if analytics support it necessarily, but I like Hinch using multi, you know, these guys for multiple innings. This is, I don't know how great of a bullpen it is, but it is a deep bullpen. I mentioned this the other day. You have a lot of guys who are former starters who are comfortable pitching more than one inning at a time. It allows you to have a day where you could pitch Cis- Cisnero for two innings. And guess what? Now Fulmer is fully rested. Now Alexander and Norris are fully rested. Now Farmer and, and Garcia have a day of rest. It, it helps those guys. And Cisnero looked great. Two scoreless innings yesterday, three strikeouts. Um... One of the better pickups of the Avila era, and I'm as critical of Avila as anybody, but this guy was out of the league for like five years and is actually pitching some good baseball here in Detroit. Good for him. All right, Tigers have an off day today, so when I come back, I'm just going to talk about some things I've seen throughout the league, some goings-on, and maybe even talk about a former Tiger who seems to be having a lot of fun in Cincinnati. I'll give you a hint. He hit a fly ball to left field to make it a 4 nothing ball game last year. We'll be right back. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online your online sportsbook experts. Fantasy Baseball Addicts, you now have a new resource to help give you an advantage in your leagues. Locked On Fantasy Baseball, it's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cohen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Season-long fantasy, dynasty leagues, DFS, Locked On Fantasy Baseball covers it all. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts. Back for the final segment. Thank you for tuning in again, everybody. I want to talk about Nick Castellanos. And if you were paying attention to what went down last weekend, Castellanos got, uh, he ended up getting suspended for two games. He's appealing it. It wouldn't shock me if that uh, suspension got overturned because the backlash was so ridiculous. I mean, even his mom was tweeting about it and going nuts. And I, I agree with her completely. I agree with everybody. Castellanos got thrown at the day after pimping a home run, came around to score on a wild pitch, got in the catcher's face and, uh, the bench is cleared. I don't believe any punches were thrown. John Boy's breakdown was hilarious. Mike Mike Moustakis, who just seems like the ultimate bro. I love that dude. The moment of him hugging Yadier Molina go and, and going, I got nothing but respect for you, bro. I got nothing but respect for you, bro. Made me laugh so hard, and I don't know why. It's the way it's the way Jimmy breaks those videos down. I, I'm on first-name basis with him now. I can say that because he was on my show. Sorry. Name drop. I'll pick it up. But Nick Castellanos is hitting the ball really well in Cincinnati. And uh, I'm happy for him. And I know Nick Castellanos rubbed some people the wrong way, and he rubbed me the wrong way with some of his comments on the way out. But Nick Castellanos is a competitor. He's a guy who wants to win. He's a guy who wants to be 
I, I mean, I do think he wants to be the center of attention. He wants to be the leader in the clubhouse. And when you play for a team that for the last three, four years, the last three years, really, of his time in Detroit was intentionally trying to lose, I'm sure that just sucks the soul out of you. And that affects your performance. I really do believe that. We saw that a lot from guys. Like, it used to be the inverse of that when Detroit was good. Like, I remember when Detroit, Detroit back in the day, back in the Dombrowski era, I'm stumbling over my words right now. I'm just so excited. I'm so excited for Nick Castellanos. Back when they were really good in the Dombrowski era, they would pick up guys who would all of a sudden play some of their best baseball, like, or find it again. Like, Doug Fister was like 1-13. in Now, his ERA was quite good, but came to Detroit and was amazing. Torrey Hunter, like, had some of his best years in Detroit. Peralta, Victor Martinez. There's something about a good culture, a good clubhouse, and a winning team that just turns things around for a player. So when Castellanos went nuts for Chicago when they traded for him in the summer of 2019, and everyone was like, what the heck, Nick? Why didn't you do this in Detroit? Oh my God, we should have extended him. I just said, you know what? They could have signed him to a 10-year deal. He never would have done this in Detroit. There's something, there is a psychological impact that comes with playing at a place that you know just has very little future, or whatever future they have is very far away, and you're wasting the prime of your career for a team that's trying to lose. And while I was, I supported not giving Castellanos an extension, he doesn't grade out well analytically. Very good hitter, solid hitter. Not a great Detroit hitter. That's not a great ballpark for them. Wrigley is a great ballpark for him. A great American ballpark in Cincinnati is a great ballpark for him. He's he's hitting those places. He's going to do very well. But it is very apparent that Nick the joy was sucked out of Nick Castellanos' baseball life when he was in Detroit. And now he's in Cincinnati, and the dude's flexing. And good for him. And it speaks to something that I've talked about many times, where you can have all the prospects you want. You can hit on as many draft picks as you want. You can hoard all the top 100 guys that you want. You can get your Torkelsons and your Mises and your Scooballs and your Mannings. You can do all of that, but... All of these players that are coming up through the system, and, and some of them are now on the Major League roster, like Scooball and Mize, none of them know how to win at the Major League level. No, None of them know how to be successful at the Major League level yet, and it's one of the big reasons why I was so supportive of the A.J. Hinch hire. A.J. Hinch, whatever you want to say about him in Houston, the man knows what it takes and what how to win a championship and how to get there, how to play for a championship and what to do, how to maintain a cohesive clubhouse and win. I do think that under Guardy, things got a little bit complacent. And I don't blame Guardy for it necessarily, but he was an older manager. You know, it's again, every when you're on a team or managing a team that's losing this much, it has to be difficult to wake up in the morning and have the most positive attitude. It has to be. Hinch, I think, has found a new lease on his baseball life. I think deep down he feels like he probably got a little bit lucky only getting suspended for that one year. And now he's back and he's trying to turn the culture around. And I hope that we don't have any more Nick Castellanos's. I hope we don't have any more guys who are dying to get out of Detroit. I hope soon Detroit becomes a place that people want to play play at because if that if that happens, if that ends up becoming the case, then we got a bright future to look forward to here, folks. All right. That'll do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written po- positive five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. Thank you very much, everybody, for coming in. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to this show, and go Tigers. <laughs>